This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Welcome back to another fabulous edition of the Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing podcast. Um, and I'm thrilled to say that we have a return visitor. We loved her so much. We're bringing her back in a short period of time. But before I introduce her, let's just remind you that we share ahas and insights and tips to enhance and support your book publishing journey. My personal goal is always for you to be successful within it and as you continue through it. So just a reminder, if you're on Twitter, make sure you connect with me at My Book Shepherd. And if on Facebook, hey, why not join my book publishing group to share any news you have or ask questions of me or within the community. And of course, you can always email me directly at Judith at Bryles, B-R-I-L-E-S dot com. So here's what I do daily. I post throughout my social media world, which is from Instagram to Facebook to Twitter, LinkedIn. And I always love to share a favorite quote from my book, Snappy, Sassy, Salty, Success for Authors and Writers. And today I'm going to give you something to chew on. Paragraphs aren't meant to run in perpetuity. Think of them as a morsel to chew on. Keep them short for reader ease. Now, I know that runs against the old school that said paragraphs were supposed to have five to seven sentences. One of the things that I learned as a columnist for 10 years, and I'd love to have the input of my guest today on this. One of the things I learned as a columnist for the business journals, there is great power in a one-word sentence. There is a great power in a one-sentence paragraph. Back with us is the fabulous Dorothy Wilhelm. She's a columnist, a humorist, a speaker, and a broadcaster of I can't tell you how many decades. She broadcast her own internet program on the SOB radio network, which, by the way, stands for Spunky Old Broads. So... Anyone who hosts with her has got to reach the magic age of 50. Dorothy, welcome back. Oh, Judith, thanks so much. It's so great to be with you. I enjoyed hearing about me, you know. I sound <laughs> good. And I do want to say, usually I like to ask my guests what their superpower is. Never mind, oh. I know what yours is. <laughs> okay, Dorothy. Okay, and, and by the way, everyone, today our topic is humor. Interjecting humor within your speaking, within your writing, within your communications. We are all about getting a giggle here, here, or a smile, or just something that someone just mm, really enjoyed just hearing come across as they read it or their ears. So, Dorothy, what's your superpower? Oh, no, I was asking, I was telling you what yours was. My oh! Superpower. Yeah, well, I, you 
our Wonder Woman. Oh, Wonder Woman. If I had if I had realized, I would have sent you. I I do meet Wonder Women from time to time, and I like to send them a set of Wonder Woman undies, so that you will be wearing your Wonder Woman undies, and the whole world may not know that you are Wonder Woman, but you will know. So look out for that. I, now, um, I I can hardly wait. I can I hard. Uh, with bated breath running to the mailbox. Absolutely. But you know, <laughs> from, from, from my point of view, I really am funny. And I am one of those people that was able to parlay what I was born with into my superpower. Um, now, of course, that, like every other superpower, comes with, with pitfalls and things. Uh, I'm, I'm less about, I'm a professional humorist, so everything I write is funny. Uh, or it better be. And that's how I've been able to keep my column alive for 30 years. But um, it's not when when you want to inject humor into your serious writing, I, in many ways, that's harder because people mm-hmm. love humor. They cherish it. They thank you for it, but they don't expect it. So you've mm-hmm. got to be very careful how you insert it. Yeah, it also, but here's, here's um, one of my superpower discoveries. <laughs> And what's essential, um, especially in speaking, that when you tell a story, speakers are storytellers, when you tell a story, roll out a scenario, a situation, a reveal that is, oh, my God, how did this happen? This is horrendous. You've taken your listener or your viewer on a roller coaster. And right now you got them down, you know, you're just, holy shit, what's going on here? You've got to bring them back up. You've got to bring them back up. I have found that humor is the secret sauce to doing that. And there's appropriate times to interject humor, even in some of the most awful situations, to counterbalance, to give people a little relief. Otherwise, my God, the cloud will never leave. That's my experience, Dorothy. Mine as well, and and absolutely, I'd add to this right now, a strong, strong, strong caution, never, never use a joke that someone Ah. told you, never use a story someone sent you. You know how people will say, I want to send you this funny story, I know know you'd appreciate it, I don't appreciate it, don't send them to me. There are two reasons. One is, just as you said, the humor needs to come out of that roller coaster story, but also, people will say, well, that was pretty good, but you know, I read that on the internet last week. You cannot mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to tell all of you, as someone, and Dorothy and I um, uh, go back a gazillion years, actually 40 plus years. Uh, uh, Dorothy and I go back a long way, and that we were members of the National Speakers Association, and I cannot tell you, I, I would need all the fingers and toes of a room of at least a hundred people, all your fingers and toes to be able to notch off a a joke, a story that someone has duplicated, uh, replicated, ripped off even from other people that's not their own. Um, And that it also entails jokes. Jokes don't usually work. Stay away from Never. And the thing is, it did work. Here's the funny thing, though. You've got to be aware of the times you're presently living in. Because in the 80s, when you and I started, um, gosh, we're old. 
uh, when when you and I started, you could get away with that. I, I don't know why, but you could. That is, we couldn't, but the old guys could. The old the old farts could. And, but it's gone and, now. Yeah, they did. They well, some of them I still hear some of them who have some of the military background. Sometimes the old guys um, that they this repetition goes on all the time, and and actually insensitivity. I mean, I'm not saying that. Look, at there you're not gonna as a speaker, and Dorothy and I have been there. You are not gonna match with every pair of listening ears in your audience. There are some people who just don't get you. Or they just don't connect in some way. Our goal is we'd love to say, oh, we connect with everybody. Um, and and you can't. And you need to realize that. But you do need to be tuned into um, what could be, uh, what could push some major buttons of people. And you're going to get pushback now. Judith, you know, there is a story that was told back in those old days, though, that was perfect. For any writer or speaker to keep in mind, just to piggyback on your comments about the room, um, the, the saying was, you can't have everybody in the room because 10% of the people are going to love you no matter what. Because you yep. remind them of their girlfriend or their wife or their mother exactly. or their boyfriend. 10% are going to hate you no matter what because you remind them of their wife or their, their mother or whoever. It is that middle percentage that you're aiming at that you can get. And don't worry about the rest of them. Also, because if you are speaking in person, body language fools you. I remember one, one speech that a lady quite close to the front row was literally, she looked as if she was hating the performance so much. I now think she may have had a urinary infection. But anyway, she was talking <laughs> herself. She was tossing herself about, holding her arms, shaking her head, and and it's very hard not to get to speaking to that person, trying to uh, win them over. You can't do that. Anyway, after it was all over, she came up and managed to walk up on her own two feet, and she said, that was wonderful. I enjoyed it so much. And I said, <laughs> as, as um, someone else famous used to say, next time, tell your face. Mm -hmm. So, Dorothy, you know, let's let's kiss on this. I know we're about two minutes away from our first break to okay. tune into that. But how do you add humor, whether it's to a speech, whether it's to your writing? Let's kind of kiss on both of these, and we'll 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 trail it into the next segment too. But let's let's kick that off. How do you add humor that doesn't hurt? Well, you made a really good first step with the telling a story rather than trying to tell a joke. Um, over the years, I've learned to add, you know, you can add as if you were reflecting on something and as if you had not practiced it in the supermarket several times. Um, mm -hmm. just, just adding an aside, um, just like the lady I was telling about. She, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it turns out she may have had another problem going on. But the big thing is you don't try to be funny. You try to see funny. You try to see what's funny in the world around you. When I'm in line at the supermarket, I try to get the whole line going. I try, I, I, you can tell if people want to play or don't. Most people are desperate to play. And you start telling them stories, and you can see how people react. It, you are not, in my opinion, going to be able to insert humor into your writing or your speaking, definitely your writing, without really practicing it. To see mm -hmm. how it goes over with other people. 
<clears throat> okay, so we're, we're right up to our break. And here's what I'd love to do. If you can, as a writer for many, many years, Dorothy, can many, you many. give us a, many, 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 many years? Let's give us, let's give our listeners some tips on how yeah. to start interjecting humor. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author U is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is Dorothy Wilhelm, and we are talking about humor. And I asked her just before we went to the break, because I was saying, you know, how do you add humor that doesn't hurt? Can we play with that in speaking and in writing? But I also asked her, would you come back and let's revisit some of those, you know, tips, steps maybe of methods of adding humor in that number one could Dorothy surprise people. That's always fun when right. it comes in, I think. Humor is a train wreck. Remember that. It is a ah, part. I love Tragedy. that. Because and, and it's remember the way you describe the scenario. The train's going along, goes through stations, whistle blows, brakeman waves, all that, and then the train wrecks. And that's the story. Humor is that moment when the train wrecks and you tell what happened, but it's to make people laugh. Tragedy plus time is also used, and it's true for more gentle humor. So you've got two things. You've got the train wreck. You've got the tragedy plus time. And mm -hmm. then you have to find your own humor personality, which, you know, you, it'll be very different. Maybe maybe you and I, actually you and I are not that far apart, but, but many times 
Yours, yours has got to be unique. It's got to be who you are. That people will say, I could hear you talking when I read that book. That's exactly. generally thought to be a plus, not always. That, no, that's it's, it's sort of humor. Um, now, to start with, write, you know, if you are not accustomed to writing humor in your books and, and articles, um, this is a little tricky, and Judith, I'll be interested in what you have to say about this. When you are known for expertise on certain subjects, and people are buying your books for those reasons, they really, they want you to be funny, but they don't want you to be too funny, because, mm -hmm. you know, this is serious. This is a very hard thing. See, I'm expected to be funny and know nothing. It's much easier. So, to start with, write Seriously, let's just do one of Judith's famous paragraphs. Write seriously without any worry about humor at all, what you want to say. And mm -hmm. then go back and look at it and see how you might insert humor into it. Judith, give me a sentence. Well, after all, just so write seriously. Um, and what was the rest of that you said? Write seriously, period. Just period. Write seriously. And then go back, and you don't think I was listening to me, do you? Yeah, <laughs> honey, you know, honey, you're not paying enough for that. I'm, and, I'm not, and, you know. And then, okay. and then go back. For those of you who are devotees of the Oxford comma, why don't you add one after every word? For those of you who go along with the AP style, maybe just one will be needed. I mean, it's, it's but um, anyway, that's so that's how you make your beginning. And then you do test it on people. Now, I know my children think that I have gone, you know, the way people of my age and place in life often do, because I tell them the same story over and over. But it's the only way to find out what works. And I do tell them in the supermarket. I do tell them everywhere I go. And gradually, you get to where you know what works for you. Um, it's, it's a little different because I write humor columns and humor books. That's both easier and harder. Mm -hmm. uh, I've tried to get my agent to move my book out more nationally, and she and I said, you know, Dave Barry does uh, did all of his columns in a book, and she said, honey, you're not Dave Barry. So <clears throat> it's important to know who you are. So that's the first thing, right? Seriously. Uh, uh, yes, it is important to know who you are um, on that. And I, I do an add-on when you're testing it out. Like, it seems like the grocery store line seems to be one of your favorite places. Is that right? right. Did I hear that right? Okay. So yeah. you you and I both knew Jeannie Robertson very oh, well. Oh, yes. All right. She tested all her material on the first round in front of her church. Or nursing homes. She would go to a, assisted living communities and all. But, yes, absolutely, her church, yeah. Yeah, because the people who were there were her primary audience that she reached around the world. So that it was always clean. Jeannie was always clean here. Yes. Yes, there, was, was. There, there was rarely anything that could even be hinted risque when Jeannie spoke. But, and, and she became a superstar, just a superstar. But she knew who her audience was. And she practiced in front of them, watching for the reaction, the interaction, uh, the heads nodding, the smiles that spread across the face. 
the, the nudging, you know, the elbow nudging. Uh, uh, that was one of her traits. Did they nudge their partner next to them? <laughs> on well, that. that's really true. But, you know, let's look at some of the humor that Jeannie used because uh, she was a, a master of telling the story, as you were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. And mm -hmm. I will always remember at, at one point when my youngest daughter was in her teens, uh, we would listen to her together, and there was one point she was so she she was very tall, and she said she told how she rushed home in tears. Something and it was to do with that Miss America uh, right. contest. Rushed home in tears and threw herself across two beds. You see how mm -hmm. she was so tall. That, mm -hmm. and so that's what you do. You you look at what you're doing, and exaggerate it. Now don't. Say, don't make a point. See, I told a joke. I know a number of people who do that. They feel called upon to point out that they said something funny. No, a humorist doesn't do that. A humorist just goes on bravely and says, I didn't, I wasn't trying to make you laugh. I was just trying to make a point. Don't say any of that. Just keep going. Well, I, I love your point. Don't be afraid to exaggerate. Yeah. Because because most humorists take something that is very starts very simple, but it grows into proportion. It's it's like the the big fish story. You know, you caught the six inch fish, but by the time right. you're done with this fish, it's twenty two feet long. It's well, exactly. and and then and then you run into something that because you were also talking about writing humor that doesn't hurt, which is a skill that I really want to get into because. Um, I will say that 97.5% of people who start writing humor have no idea how dangerous humor can be. It, oh. it, real, it really, it, you've got to, you've got to really, really know what you're doing. But first, you know, that, that story, that rush when people laugh, uh, and, and that's all very well. You do, you do want to see that. You do want to feel that. But you want to be careful, particularly if you write. See, when you speak, there's a chance, oh, it's quite a good chance, that people won't remember anything you said. You know, you really don't have to worry. But when it's in print, it's there forever. And now it's there on the Internet. You were just telling about all the, all the places you take your social media. You can't get rid of something you've written. So mm -hmm. you've got to be gentle enough. One thing I, I really recommend, and this is a hard thing for most people to realize, don't write about your children because it seems counterintuitive because your children are funny. And you've got all these wonderful lessons to tell the world that you learned from them, but it's in print forever. Um, my son is always said, I have, I have two sons who are retired commanders, so they keep thinking I'm supposed to do what they say, but no. But anyway, uh, my, my one son, Commander Steve, says, Mother, it certainly, it simply did not happen that way. Well, of course not. I said, are they paying you to write a humor column? No. You, I can do something like that. But if you tell a story about your child and identify that child, and somebody says something about it, and they will, you may have a rift in the family that can't heal. So you've got to get, I, I have had to go back and get written permission, don't laugh, from every one of my children as to what I can write and what I can't write. 
So you have to be really careful. Yeah. You know, and the kids will say, did I really say, I didn't say that. I couldn't have said that. Um, um, On that, I I used to, one of my opening stories was, and I'll just, I may have said it, you you know, whether you've heard me say this, but I have said it and shared it. I actually had a pair of underwear fall off at a speaking gig. And, um, and I, when I set that story up, um, it is really snips of multiple things. And I actually do bring my two daughters in into that. They, they had taken me to lunch. Um, and, you know, my my younger daughter had what we used to call the stink eye. She could yeah. just glare. She could get and, and she is looking me over. And I'm, I'm kiss the big four. She is looking me up and down and over and over. And she finally said, you have got to do something about your face. That that is what she said. Interestingly, you, you, I had a daughter say that to me. Apparently, that's what uh, they said. Okay, okay. So leading into that, and I, I I end up revealing that the gift that she gave me was a makeup lesson, because my idea was putting lipstick on and I was good for the day. Right, right. right. Um, and and still, that is still my philosophy in most cases. Maybe some moisturizer, but if I, you know, if I'm on TV or okay, now we get blush, and now we get you know we get some, some you know cover, and we get a little. We have to do that for television for sure. Um, Zoom is now forcing you know. Oh my God, I've got to make sure I have oh, yeah. eyebrows on for God's sakes. But but she just said you have got you know, and I would say you know, and I would act it out in front of an audience. Visually, they could see me moving my head up and down, and she did mother. You have got to do something about your face. And I scan the whole audience and all these women are saying, oh, oh, my God, here we go. All right. So, you know, and the other ones and, and my older daughter is just nodding. She's going along with it. And 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 what they gave me was a, a makeup lesson. So I ended up tying it all in and setting up the story of the, 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 the great collapse of my underwear on the on sidewalks of Seattle. But that what happens is, you know, you've roller coastered them up and down and all that. And, and, and we have a great time in this story. The purpose of humor, by the way, when you do a revealing of all of you, is to it, it is a fabulous way to connect with your audience. It's a right. fabulous way to humble yourself. To, to expose your vulnerability that you you know you are just like them um and, and all those things and i can't tell you how many people would come up to me later and say oh, you know what something like that happened to me Absolutely. A, you know or that happened to my mother or someone's and i remember when someone saying to me one time you know when i was pregnant how we all our clothes expand but gee they're in pretty good shape the material still you know is there so she was wearing her post-maternity underwear and it fell off i understand that <laughs> Well, and, and you're you're exactly for our for our tip of, about writing humor. You're exactly right. You here's the here's the thing. You and I both where our humor comes from uh, ourselves and our life adventure because it's safe. We can write about ourselves. However, you've got to be really careful. The fine line is what you just said. It must relate to others. They must oh, yes. feel, by golly, I've been through that. I've been there. I know how that is. Not my heaven. She talks about herself all the time. You see, oh, you don't. You've got to have the yep. one and not the other. And it's as far scary. as it's, and it, humor directed inward is, you know, self-effacing. Uh, yep. I hear so many comedians, and of course, we're not comedians. We're humorists. There's a big no. difference. 
Dorothy, I want you to hold that point. We're going to take our next break and we'll come back on. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With us is Dorothy Wilhelm. And um, Dorothy's got, Dorothy, give them, give everyone your website. Oh, goody. It's never too late. It's, it's never too late.com. And uh, if you didn't pick up Dorothy a few weeks ago, we did a, a program dealing with research um, and that it was really eye opening in many, many ways that a lot of the history that you that that the soci- historical societies um, claim is the gospel right. taint the gospel. So on, on how to really do a deep dive and really find out why there's a tablecloth in a little town um, and those kind of things. So, okay, I digress. So with that, you we're do, back to I'm you. Glad, glad you remembered. Go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're, we're into humor right now and how to really structure it, what, what you should do um, and to how, how to see funny. How to observe funny. What are And I asked Dorothy, would you give us some steps? And she started off with writing seriously. Don't be afraid to exaggerate, which is absolutely. Most humorists will take a very simple thing and all of a sudden it has a new life of all of its own. And um, and that humor can get you into trouble. It can be dangerous sometimes. And Dorothy, you were going to kiss on. I want you to come back to it. Time, you know, when to use family and when not to use family. But you, as we went to the break, you were just starting to talk about comedians. Yes. Uh, all right. So let's come back and loop that, that back in. Well, and, and I want to, and, and as, as we go into it, I want to touch back on what you said about, uh, see, I listen to you too, um, humor for troubled times. So these, these times, we're desperate. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. desperate where we've never been before. Therefore, we need humor more than we've ever needed it before. You, 
you should never do anything that doesn't have some humor in it. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, if I, if I didn't laugh, I would go mad. And I think that that's something to remember. So that is, let's speak about comedians. Comedians, mm, how to put this, are not nice people. Now, I don't mean they're not nice personally, <laughs> but a comedian makes his money by being mean. Kind oh, of yeah, like, po poking, really poking, poking really until like, it hurts. Yeah. Don Rickles, of course, was a master oh. of that. All, you know, they all do that now. They all do. And I'm sure, you know, they may all be lovely. Uh, some I even know are. But that's what comedians, they're up there to make you laugh at dirty words. Are, as you can tell how old mm -hmm. I am. I know there are mm -hmm. no dirty words now, but there used to be. Um, <laughs> and we're not, in my mind, that's not what we're about. Maybe you can do that and have it work. But I will tell you, it will come back to get you, especially mm -hmm if you want to be taken seriously as a writer. This is my belief anyway. Okay. I, th I think to be taken seriously as a writer, you have to use humor, so. I, I, so. Don't, think, I don't think meanness ever pays off. I don't uh, either. Uh, and, and, and maybe that is our age, Dorothy. Um, um, I don't think I, I don't think meanness pays off, and that uh, and you can you can have a lot of fun and be funny and laugh and and I know that uh, when I do conferences, I often will have a humorist, someone in the humor field, uh, for our evening entertainment <clears throat> at the banquet. And one of the very best people we found was a local guy, Chris. Now he has become very national and going, I just, I, I tried to get him again. He said, oh, I'm already booked, 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 booked. Um, but but um, he was a high school principal and he came in as the, the observer of the kids. And he was hilarious, just hilarious with, because everybody in the audience had connections in some way, whether they're their own, they're their grandkids, they're their friends' kids, and they have heard some of the outrageous things. He took it to another degree. And I mean, we, I mean, I think I almost peed my pants. I laughed so hard at some of the stuff. And I am right. way beyond my teen years, you know, with kids. Well, you know, I, that's such a great example, though, because he could do that. He had a high school full of kids. Now he yeah. can talk about them without naming or identifying them. So if Never. you have, yeah. have an office, you have a school, you have something like that, you're in, in clover because now you can tell about them without hurting anybody. But you can also, all of us have that, um, let me just add that, all of us have that opportunity. It's called opening our eyes and ears right. and just pay attention. I, going, let's, let me loop back to Jeannie. Jeannie Robertson always carried a notebook with her, and any time she sat down, she just got it out and was ready to write. Whatever she saw, odd, unique, weird, it didn't need, it doesn't matter if it was two-legged or four-legged, she made notations, and, you know, and that's where her story started to evolve from. You know, that's such a wonderful first step, I'm surprised I didn't think of it myself, is that before they ever start trying to write humor, you know, write humor, you can't just sit down and write humor. I'm sorry. Let's no. be aware of that. You should do a genie thing. You should sit down and start making notes. What's funny and what isn't? What could you do something with? Sometimes you'll see, my kids will say now, 
because uh, remember, my kids are senior citizens, so it's a little different. But they'll say, I, we were talking about yesterday, the computer completely broke down, as it will do. Um, and my son said, I don't think you can get a column out of that, though, Mother. And so they, they think that way. They know. But, you know, to start with... Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> oh, I know that, honey, but I wasn't going to tell him and slow things down. You know, this is, he said, he, I was relating his thoughts, not mine. Of course you can. Oh, yeah. And you're oh, exactly yeah. right. But my idea is to, to piggyback again on Jeannie is that, yeah, to, by all means, start with that step. Start with writing everything down that you think might work. And now you've got your little phone. If your hands aren't all shaky, you can make little notes in your note thing when you see something. Yeah, always. Or you, or or you know, you can dictate it into your phone. You know, send notes to yourself. There's stuff that you can do that. When Dorothy and I first started writing four decades plus ago, um, um, that you know, we didn't. We just had the pencil and the little notebook thing, and right. and, and the old-fashioned typewriter, people. Um, and I love the Selectric. There will never be anything like a Selectric. I don't oh, care what anybody says. What was oh, it? yes, the magic ball as it span around. Yes. <laughs> I loved it. I just loved it. <laughs> See, you could do a column on my love affair with the magic really? ball. <laughs> well, right. but, okay, you bring up something. This is very important. No, you yeah. can't. Now, it's very unusual. Look across the country and you will find almost nobody. Um, because Dave Barry's retired now, nobody who has been writing a humor column for more than 35 years. And the reason is, I know what makes a column and what doesn't. A, a funny little passage that people will read and say, oh, that's nice, that's one thing. And you can get away with that after a while. But if you want longevity, there has to be three things. There has to be the humor. There has to be something they didn't know before. There has to be a fact or something unusual, or something that will stay with them. And there has to be a little hope. There has to be a little something that will always, keep going. Always hope. Always, always hope. some soap. Stay with them. And, you know, yeah. and I just did, so we get off the typewriter thing. I just wanted to share okay. with you, if you're a fan of Tom Hanks, he has a wonderful book called Common Type. It's a yeah. series of short stories, yeah. and in every story... There is a typewriter, a special typewriter. And old Tom Hanks owns three hundred over three hundred typewriters. He is a collector, and it is it, it. Actually, the book should have been called "The Ode to the Typewriter," but it's called "Common Type." And I just would highly recommend it to all of you. It's a lovely nobody read. Know, yeah, nobody knows what "ode" means anymore, so so they would. Oh, be, oh, oh, okay, all right. I'm really but anyway, dating you're, myself. And, and again. See, this is really good. It's like we might think of it taking this show on the road, really, is that to, <laughs> to follow up on that. What a beautiful, and that is, it's a wonderful book. And we, all, we all love Tom Hanks. That's just one of those things. But ever since Big, you remember Big? Yeah, uh, I love it. Anyway, that, that oh. if you're wanting to start writing humor, I wouldn't do a whole booklet. I would do a series of short pieces, take like school days, something that you, you know well. And, and in this case, even maybe, you know, your family just without specific identifications and write a series of maybe just paragraphs. Remember, a, a, a well-written dynamite paragraph can get you just as far or farther than a full column. Although I've mm -hmm. got to say, for me, my column is 700 words, no more, 
no less. Best training in the world. No words are precious. You know how many times writers can't bear to cut their work. They can't bear to throw anything away because it's so precious. Nope, 700 words, no more, no less. That's, that's you know, from the old days, too. That you, that's what you had. You can't go over that. So just learn how to write and get well, into that. I, that's what I have yeah. right now. That's yeah, and, no. yeah, and let me just come back to your point on exaggeration, Dorothy, because you mentioned uh, the movie Big, which was actually one of my favorite ones with oh, Tom I love Hanks. That. Okay, yeah. so you're talking about. I'm going to encourage all of you to download that and watch it over this weekend, right. and and that or you know find a window, find a an hour and a half to our window and watch it. But I want you to have your notepads out. And pay attention, because if you're talking about the art from subtleties, from nuances to dipping back from exaggeration, when he picks up, he's he's you know, he remember, he's a little kid now in this adult body and yeah. he's he's at this cocktail party and he sees these little or the uh, the hors d'oeuvres of the little corn and he picks it up and his teeth are going. I know you can see me when I just did that, but he is nibbling along this exaggeration when he. He is playing, uh, he finds this keyboard uh, on the floor and he starts tapping out a tune. That's an exaggeration, humongous. But start if you start seeing those things, you then start, then switch over to something maybe you're thinking writing about or that. What can you do to manipulate it, to exaggerate it, to uh, drop in the funny bone? Um, that's just, I'm going to give you a homework assignment, everybody. So, all right. Okay. Oh, I was waiting for the assignment. I was going to say, okay, so number one is take that notebook out with us everywhere we go <laughs> yeah. now. Number two yeah. is watch, watch, um, big the Tom Hanks. <laughs> was big. that big? Yeah, watch, yeah, it's watch big. big. Yeah. And it, start to think of how you can use exaggeration the way they did. How can you use exaggeration to? Um, to make your point and make people laugh and make them have a wonderful time. And then three, how can you add that little edge of hope that actually makes it funnier? See, people forget that this isn't, don't pontificate. Writers have this tendency to either explain their point. See, what I said was funny because, no, actually, it wasn't funny. It's all, you know, so you just move briskly on. Okay, and I, I'm going to add. I'm going to add number four. Don't get mean. Don't don't write. Don't, 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 don't get mean. Yeah. Absolutely. See, we're pretty don't, good at this, Judith. Hey, yeah, and maybe we are the dog and pony show. It's back to the <laughs> SO. We're back up at the SOB thing. All right, everybody, we're going to take our final break. With us is Dorothy Wilhelm, and we're really, uh, you know, we're having fun. We know each other, so I, I love these kind of conversations. It's like I get to catch up with an old girlfriend um, and, and bring it back into play. But these are important tips. So we'll be right back. Bye. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Oh, what a night. 
Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book. A book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author. Your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so we are uh, playing today, um, and with me is Dorothy Wilhelm, and that we are really looking at is humor, in, the inside, the ins and outs, ups and downs, and over and under, of uh, bringing humor to your writing, and since I believe, I know, I know the number one way to sell books is through personal appearances and, mm-hmm. and speaking that when you can incorporate and weave humor throughout your dialogue, your interaction, um, people, you will become a magnet and people will want to be around you. They will want to hear what you have to say. They want to, they'll want to come and play with you. Um, And guess what? They buy your book. If you have a book, because they're going to take you home. So that's kind of my little two bits as we lead into our final segment here. Yeah, I, well, I love humor. I love I, I love the feeling that uh, people de- come to depend on you when they after the very first the, the school shooting in Oregon. We all this is on all of our minds. How can you possibly possibly find any humor? You've got to be careful. You can't write about what's happened. You mm-hmm. you must nod to it. You must tell a story or something 
to put people in the in the setting that you know what's going on, but it's too fresh and too painful to make humor about it. So what you mm-hmm. do is you work around it. Uh, but if you are a humorist and people look to you for humor, you have got to find it. Lady wrote to me after the school shooting, and I had been so moved by it that that I had written about a ribbon my daughter sent me from the from the fence uh, at the Oregon school. She went to school out there. And the lady said, you know, I read your column every month because you're funny. Well, I read it this month and you weren't funny. And I knew I had disappointed. They come to expect that in these mm-hmm. times you'll find a way to lift them up. And that's mm-hmm. quite a burden, but it's a wonderful it- deal. It is, but, you know, let me also add on, um, some of my listeners know that I used to be the speaking coach for Miss America for eight years yes. and and working with her. And one of um, uh, the Miss America from Florida, her platform involved AIDS. And and this was at during the time that everyone th- thought, the belief, the general consensus was that AIDS was only a men's disease that it only happened to gay men period that was it was a very black and white belief during the time and so she's out trying to talk to people about aids in in that environment um and there was nothing funny about it there was nothing humor it was like oh my god you know she's kind of cornet's coming in oh my god it's going to be a bummer and i said you know we restructured her presentations and i said you need to tell stories about these men. Tell us something funny what they did. Tell tell us bring bring the, make them human instead of always the tragedy. They've got it. They're going to die. Um, and it totally morphed her reception um, that people had toward her as well as for herself. You know, this, it was a very important thing. Um, to what was going on, but it was it there, there wasn't the connection, and now she turned them in these men. Um, it was men she was always talking about into human beings with you know that had families and did outrageous things and did all that, and it just it was totally different, totally different. And the fact that then when you're telling about the people involved, see that's a master stroke that everyone should remember. When you're telling about the the people involved, you can then use humor. It can be something they said, not something you said. Nobody cares what you think, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. But but uh, there was a couple of things we wanted to get into. Um, was how to use uh, it was how to use exaggeration. And I'm thinking as I was listening to you, I was watching the gentleman go by outside with a, with the leaf floor which they do for the condo, um, I can't tell particularly why because he's never seeming to get anywhere. Now, that would be a basic sentence about uh, that you might use to build on humor. And uh, then we would incorporate what I like to call the rule of three, which means one thing is funny. Two things are not funny, by the way, never used to. Three things are funny. So I'm watching this guy. Um, and I will tell you that he's not from around here. And he's going by with the leaf blower, and I'm a little bit worried because so far he's blown away four spiders, three squirrels, 
and a half can of Olympia beer. I don't know what will be next. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and every, that, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, so that's yeah. an easy way. That is, those are not what we call belly laughs. No. But if you're getting started, you know, don't, and that, that's the thing I say, don't worry too much. These are easy ways to get your feet wet without hurting anybody, without going too far wrong. And you will very quickly work out what works for you and what doesn't work. But if you do something like that, you've got something that is at least smileable. If mm-hmm. smileable, maybe, you know, to start with, that might do it. You will, again, very quickly, what you must do you, uh, is not... But what we talked about, about about the old age speeches is true. Um, mm-hmm. And again, be kind and, and aware of the people that you're working with and that you love. I, I knew about Bill Cosby way before anybody else did because of the wretched things that he said about his children in under the guise of funny. And then knowing my own children who were that age, what it would have done to them to hear those things. Uh, it was his his um, piece about putting a condom on a banana, very funny, unless you are a 14-year-old boy and your dad saying that. But mm-hmm. the, often comedians are estranged from their families, and often that's why. So remember, be kind. That's the most important thing you have to do. Just yeah. add that little touch. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, Dorothy, don't realize that, that a lot of times comedians come from very yeah. ugly childhoods. And um, there's, there's, it, it just, and I suspect humor became their escapism. Um, and they evolved that. But sometimes you hear that meanness. I, I you know, I've, I've been around it many, many times. Um, and I know in the old days, because I used to love to go to humor. I used to love to go to comedy shows. Right. Um, and those kind of things, but I learned not to lit, sit in the first three rows. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that was always true. My dad shared that when he was a young man in Texas, he was a cowboy. He loved to go to burlesque shows. Now this is my, you know that was the way it was, and that he quickly found that if you sat in the very front row, the spotlight was turned on you. So uh, you got to be aware that that can happen. Mm. Oh yes, yes. I remember one time my the children's father took me to hear Red Fox. I didn't know who Red Fox was, but it was. Uh, I mean, it was like, oh my God, I I don't know if I can take this. <laughs> it was. Uh. You know, it's kind of a wind up thing, though. I want to really tell people that there is the biggest opportunity for humor now. I think mm-hmm. I find people. I I just hear so much from people who say, you know, how much they appreciate the smile, the laughter, the fact that it's not mean. The fact I know tons of people. I have one lady that always calls calls up her son and reads it to him. I know he appreciates it. Uh, mm-hmm. There is it's it's such a needed skill at this time that if you can only even just start putting a little lightness into what you're writing, it will, I think, pay off for you. And we all are in favor of payoffs. You know that. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to reiterate for all of you the power of three. When you learn, there's a rhythm to it. Yes. 
there is really quite a rhythm to it. And people, you know, it, it's like the punch. Okay, here's the punch. It's coming through on that. And the the greatest speakers out there have uh, reiterate that they use it throughout their presentations when they're whether it's an opening whether it's a closing whether it's a key point they're working on they have learned the power of three to remember to emphasize to do so many things um even politicians have gotten the hang of it you know but sometimes maybe not to our you know our, our goodness but um, then, then, but people stick to it. They remember it, and it, there's a very psychology to it. So, do, do understand it, practice it, um, and get into that rhythm because it will make you far more successful as a presenter. It'll certainly make you present it, you know, as a the punchline, you know. Then, I, then I'm then you're starting when you and Dorothy was telling your story about the the half can of beer left over. Then, <laughs> then you're wondering, so why didn't he drink it? You know, what, what, what was wrong with it? Why did he leave it? <laughs> well, they're not paying him to drink it. <laughs> so anyway, I think, you know, have fun with it. Oh, and that's another thing. Just like just as Judith and I are kind of doing, that um, is back and forth with a friend. Try different angles. Say different things. You'll be amazed. You'll be, again, I keep saying it, it's really true. Just work at it a little. You'll be able to tell what works. Because we, you know, Judith and I, given another, I say, 27 minutes, maybe, 23 possibly, is we'd be able, we really would have a whole show worked up. I mean, a whole, like a, we could take it on the road because we both know how to work with humor. Once you have that skill, it's invaluable. Well, and, and the reality is sometimes the best humor is spontaneous. Yes. It's spontaneous and it just happens. It just comes with it. Um, and, and that. So with that said, Dorothy, thank you for being with me again for another fabulous hour. Always wonderful fun. If we ever get it within the same hundred miles of each other, we must have lunch. Uh, at least, at least. All right. All of you, thank you for sharing your time with me today on Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. Please go to the show page at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash book publishing podcast and select from over 550 podcast episodes for your learning, listening, and book success. for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryle.